Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If it doesn't work, you're just not using enough. You're listening to Software Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community. Hey, what's going on? This is Rad, your host for Soft Rep Radio, and I have a special guest today. I have Peter Schinkel. Now, Peter has written a book kind of talking about you know, what happened about 60 to 80 years ago with the New Deal and Franklin Delano Roosevelt and, you know, bipartisanship. And he's written a book extensively about that. And we're going to talk to him about the past repeating itself today or what he thinks is going on based off of his knowledge of, you know, the New Deal. So, Peter, welcome to Soft Rep Radio. Great to be here, Red. Thanks very much for having me. Now, will you tell me the name of your book? The name of the book is Uniting America, how FDR and Henry Stimson brought Democrats and Republicans together together to win World War II. That's the book, and I'm very excited to talk to you about it today. Well, I would like to just dive into this. You know, we hear about today's politics, so there's a new deal being out there, you know, and we hear about people talking about the new deal being brought back up today. Is this being based off of kind of like the new deal of the old days with FDR and Henry Stimson, where they're trying to bring bipartisanship together and, you know, have this unity of, you know, the House, the Senate, the Congress, everybody, all the different executive levels of branches? You know, it's really interesting. In today's world, we tend to think of bipartisanship taking place mostly in Congress when members of the two parties vote together. What happened in 1940 was that President Franklin Roosevelt, who was, of course, a Democrat, appointed two very prominent Republicans to his cabinet. And so they were in the executive branch. And they worked together as a team, FDR, Henry Stimson, and Frank Knox, who was Secretary of Navy, for five years 
to bring the country together and win the war. They also worked across and built bipartisanship in Congress. But the real center of this bipartisan alliance was in the executive branch, which is somewhat unusual. Uh, It's actually very unusual. I mean, we have had bipartisan appointments throughout the subsequent decades. There have been members of the opposing party appointed in various administrations. President Trump did none. President Biden has done none. But by and large, bipartisanship for the last 80 years has been in the legislative branch, in Congress. But this was a very unusual arrangement, and it led to remarkable success for the country and for the world defending democracy against fascism. I wrote this book because I believe it provides an incredible example of how Americans can come together, can reach across the political divide, can have thoughtful debates and have long debates and arguments and fierce disputes and still come out the other side reaching agreement and finding a way forward that is the best for democracy and for the country. So what you're saying is we can come together for a common goal and then achieve it. (laughs) If we can come together. Shocking, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing um, thing to happen, you know, if everybody can just kind of set down the flagpoles and just look at what the real goal is here and just, you know, get it between the uprights. Okay, let's just kick it right through, right? Laces out. I don't know whatever analogy we got to use, but, you know, let's just all come together. You know, I don't have a problem. Like, let's say President Biden wanted to bring somebody who was a Republican, who was a war chief, like, you know, Franklin FDR did when he brought in the secretary of defense, I think, or war and made him the secretary of war, who was a Republican to help him and to bring in like, Hey, I'm working with the president. He's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. And we're fighting fascism together. Exactly. Right. And what's interesting is that president Biden, of course, is a huge fan of FDR and he has preached bipartisanship, the benefits of bipartisanship, and he's called for unity So he's interested in this, very interested in achieving this goal, but he hasn't taken the step that FDR did, which was to appoint a Republican to important positions in his cabinet. And on that, I'll just note that the Secretary of War, position that no longer exists, was tremendously important in the 1940s and then for most of U.S. history. And That position later became, in essence, Secretary of Defense, what we call Secretary of Defense, which oversees the entire military establishment in the United States. But so FDR was giving a Republican a very important spot in his cabinet and in the executive branch. He also, Henry Stimson, had been the Secretary of State under FDR's Republican predecessor, Herbert Hoover. So this was not just a nobody, a no-name flunky. This is a Republican who had tremendous respect in the United States. In fact, he was very close to the Republican president, Theodore Roosevelt, and he also served as Secretary of War. 30 years before he became it under FDR, he served as Secretary of War under President Taft, also a Republican. So this was a, a very capable man with many decades as a Wall Street lawyer in between his service in the government, but he was a very prominent Republican. The other 
chief appointment in this bipartisan alliance was Frank Knox, who also was a supporter of Republican President Theodore Roosevelt. And he had been a newspaper reporter. And most significantly, he was the Republican Party's vice presidential nominee in 1936. So just four years before Franklin Roosevelt appointed him to be the Secretary of Navy, he had been going around the country savagely attacking Franklin Roosevelt. He was a bitter opponent of the New Deal. He thought, as many Republicans did, they thought that FDR was ruining the economy. A socialist, he created this program that gave everybody retirement checks. It's called Social Security. (laughs) I know. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Radical, huh? He made it <laughs> Right? <possible>. Who would think? <laughs> right. He extended the rights of workers to form labor unions. It was an epic struggle in U.S. society. And he was basically accused of being a socialist, a Marxist, you name it. The, the, the Republican hatred for FDR was extreme. And Frank Knox was one of its chief acolytes of that campaign against FDR. So for FDR in 1940 to turn to Frank Knox and Henry Stimson, both of whom had repeatedly criticized him publicly, that's a sign that FDR was ready to make a bold move to achieve unity in the United States and to defend democracy and American democracy from the rise of fascism. That's what led him to do that. And the reason there is that The Republican Party and the Democratic Party were both split. There were isolationists in both parties who didn't want to do anything or wanted government to do very little to prepare for the oncoming war with Hitler. Whereas FDR and some members of both parties wanted to take actions to prepare the nation and to defend the nation against fascism. And so by bringing the Republicans into his cabinet, FDR was saying, our nation needs to rally behind this defense of democracy. And I want all those Republicans who believe in defending democracy to come over and join me in that effort. In defending. Yeah. The Republicans at the time was infuriated. This is June in 1940 when he made the appointment. And they tried to throw Stimson and Knox out of the party. They said they don't speak for the party. They're only doing it for themselves. Some called them traitors to the party. Others said this is not an alliance of the Republican Party with FDR. It's just these two guys. Let them do what they want. But it caused a huge uproar. But the public, and polling showed this at the time, the public embraced this. They recognized that it was time to bring the country to prepare to defend democracy and to try to make these two parties work together. And so this move was broadly praised by the public. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Yeah, I think I'm going to speak to Republicans that came on to the Democratic side of the president of FDR to say, you know, if not us, then who? Okay, so if we don't say, okay, let's try this, let's do this. You know, this is something my dad taught me a long time ago. I was nervous about running a team and all these different things. And I said, Dad, he said, Aaron, I said, yeah, he's like, well, if not you, then who? And I was like, well. I guess that just kind of settles it right there. So I bet these guys were like, we need to step up to the plate for the country, for the red, white, and blue flag that we all sleep under every single night and come to an agreement to say, we're going to have to talk to each other and figure out our differences from the executive, legislative, you know, all the branches of government to win against fascism or else we'd be speaking another language right now. Exactly right. And a lot of decision-making or a lot of discussion went into this, chiefly between Knox and FDR about the strategy, about how to do it and when to do it and who should be in the cabinet. And I detail a lot of that in the book, how this all played out and the public reaction is, in my mind, an amazing story about American history. And of course, mind you that this happened in June of 1940. So the attack on Pearl Harbor wouldn't happen for another 17 months or 18 months. So that attack really ended the debate over isolationism and brought America into the war. Of course, FDR delivered his, you know, yesterday is a date of infamy speech. January 7 is date of infamy, will live forever. The actual joining of the Republicans with FDR began long before the attack on Pearl Harbor. So it was not an easy decision. You know, the parties were still very divided. So this was a very clear decision to build an alliance with the Democratic president long before the country was at war. So, you know, when an actual war begins, it's kind of natural for the parties to pull together, right? Everybody, you know, we've been attacked. Let's defend ourselves. We'll put our disputes aside. Well, this was long before that. And they had to make a decision to throw off their party allegiance, 
Although they still contended, by the way, that they were Republicans. They said they were Republicans. They were, in fact, Republicans. And many of them went on to very important careers as Republican figures. But they said, we're going to join with a Democratic president. And it goes beyond Stimson and FDR. There were other significant Republicans. For example, Wendell Wilkie, who was the Republican candidate for president in 1940, built an alliance with FDR later in 1941. Others who joined FDR include William Donovan, whom FDR made the head of the OSS, the first spy agency, the precursor of the CIA. He was a prominent Republican before he joined with FDR. So there was a broad movement. You know, we're in this position again almost, right? We have something going on in Europe. It's, you know, bubbling up over there with Ukraine and, you know, being taken over by Russia. And Europe is kind of threatened with its eastern lines. America's watching very closely for our allies that are, you know, making sure that they're taken care of as well. We should be crossing the lines of aisle right now, prepping ourselves for a future together in bipartisan factor, right? So, I mean, we should be, you know, reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, we shouldn't be against each other. Let's realize the big picture here. Again, the goal, right, is unification so that we're strong together, not divided against each other. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, is this war needed or not needed? We have 50-50 split in America. We have to be all together <laughs> if we're going to send our sons and daughters off to war. Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's a shockingly similar situation where you have a fascist authoritarian dictator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Who's, you know, <laughs> running over neighboring nations, killing indiscriminately, killing civilians, threatening mayhem, democratic countries fearing this and trying to react. So I, I agree. We are in need of a common front. And so far, we've managed to do that. There was $40 billion in aid approved in May of this year. But President Trump has spoken against it and criticized it and other Republicans as well. But so far, the bipartisan support has been there to get these measures through Congress. I do wonder how long that's going to last. A new Republican majority in the House might put an end to funding for aid to Ukraine. So we'll see how that plays out. What we're seeing here, though, is it's kind of stirring up, you know, the moms are yelling at Russian officials in Russia. Like the moms are like, you're taking our boys and they're burning in tanks. I just saw some type of snippet from some outlet today where, you know, the mothers are yelling at the recruiters trying to get the boys to go to war. And they're like, you're just burning them in the tanks. You're just killing our kids and burning them in the tanks. It's just a coffin. You know, and I was just like, I thought that was kind of moving. You know, when mom gets mad, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what are you doing? Well, it's, it, you know, you know, that's why we in America love our democracy and our constitution, because we have the freedom to object to any stupid wars our leaders may drag us into. Putin has basically crushed that dissent. And there are a few brave people speaking out in Russia now. But by and large, objective reporting by news organizations on the war is completely crushed under Putin's fascism. You know, I hope that those mothers 
have an effect on the direction of the Russian war effort, but there's not much that can dissuade Vladimir Putin from the path that he chooses. And he is choosing his path. And whether he's ill, as people are speculating, or he is mentally ill, which we all speculate, he's, it feels like he's the kind of guy that would be backed in a corner as a shark. And you can't back a shark in a corner. I think I heard of that as an analogy. And the shark has to keep going straight. So he's going to keep trying to keep going straight somehow. But right now, you know, I would like to see us as a nation come together in those branches that exist that we all get to go and vote for and have say in as American people. I would like to see that happen and get along. I would like to see them, you know, really, truly agreeing to see the support aid go to this country, Ukraine needing it, not a fight about it. You know, like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. It does make sense. And I mean, if that's where my taxpayers' dollars are going, okay. (laughs) You know, I guess at least I know where they're going, you know. And another thing I want to point out is conscripting people is not patriotism. Forcing people to believe in something is not patriotism. Volunteering is patriotism. If you're going to join the military on your own accord and raise your hand to go do that, you're choosing to do so. I want to do it. I'm motivated to do it. I'm going to be that patriotic person. But if you bring back this like instituted two mandatory years or like a Korean, you have to go war or you have to fight or you're going to be drafted no matter what. Like Vietnam, there was a lot of problems in Vietnam because people were drafted. They didn't want to go fight that war, right? We had protesters in ranks. But in World War II, we didn't really have any protesters in ranks because they all stepped up. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned conscription, but let's come back to that. But I would say that on the subject of wanting our leaders to come together and have a discussion and reach agreement, of course, that's, that's often very difficult to do, right? But one thing that made it possible for Franklin Roosevelt and Henry Stimson and Frank Knox and the other Republicans who joined with him to reach agreement is that they had a shared reverence for democracy and constitutional democracy. And they worked from that shared goal. And that was sort of the basis and foundation that enabled them to come together. You know, I'm not sure that everyone in America at this time actually supports constitutional democracy. You know, we hear a lot of people talking about overthrowing an election um, that taking away women's mu- rights. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> at least the election is a constitutional a key element of the U S constitution. Okay. From its sure. Foundation. <laughs> Sorry. I got some daughters. Okay. From I got daughters. Let me just be clear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand okay. the importance of women's rights and I agree with that. My point is that There's nothing really more fundamental to American democracy than a presidential election. And if millions of Americans are talking about overthrowing an election, I think we're in a very disconcerting space in America right now. And I'm not sure that everyone can come together and agree on democracy. That would be nice. I wish they would, but it's not so clear that they will. Many of them seem to want a strong man in power. Well, and it seems like that strong man preaches democracy to them. And that's what they think is the word democracy. It's like, if you pick me, democracy. And then someone else is like, if you pick me, democracy. So 
democracy just got muddied because one side's saying this and the other side's saying that. So what side am I supposed to fall? I don't really falter maybe my neighbor, okay? Because we we move through this life and see the things, the newspapers and those things that penetrate our thoughts. So one might think that is democracy to them. They might have been educated to be thinking such. And so mm-hmm. I would like to just maybe educate and just say democracy is the right to choose an elected president, the right to vote uh, and have that, you know, free and fair elections where you can go stand in line and literally vote for who you want. Like, you know, like what you're talking about, not, I don't know what someone might think democracy means. I don't want to skew it. I just want to talk about how it is and what it is from my definition, which is, you know, where we live really. I know a lot of people come at me in this industry and say, Oh, we live in a Republic. I'm like, okay, (laughs) I feel you. Okay. I get you, but you know, and Someone might say, oh, I'm left-leaning or I'm right-leaning, or they may not know anything about me personally as the host, and I would just say, I bleed red blood. That's what I'll tell you right now. So don't label me. I don't really Mm -hmm. go after labels. So if you want to go label them as a libertarian or you want to go label them as a Republican or whatever, you're just labeling things. If you can just say, we're neighbors and, hey, we need to dig this ditch together so we can put the fence in, then that's kind of how I move through life, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like help your neighbor, that fence needs to be put in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree with you about the use of the word democracy by both sides. It's sort of carried by both sides. And this is where we often run into, okay, well, who's got right on their side? Is it possible that democracy was subverted here and that there was massive fraud and that the wrong man won the election? or was Mm -hmm. designated the winner. And I think that our system, as agreed upon by most Americans, rests on a system of laws and courts. And if you're going to make that claim, then you need to prove it before a judge and possibly a jury. And then we can act. If it's so hotly and disputed, let's bring it in a court and see where, let the chips fall where they may. And in fact, more than 60 lawsuits were brought by President Trump's supporters, and they lost in every case. They never proved any fraud. And to my mind, that is, that is determinant. That is, has resolved the issue. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. And we all lived through it. We all watched it and it went down that way. It was on all the outlets, you know, 60 cases. You're correct. And, you know, let me bring it back to the Al Gore, George Bush hanging Chad fiasco. Okay. Because I was in Florida on the deciding day of the hanging Chad. And then I flew to Texas airport, George Bush airport. And everybody's like, oh, Bush is going to win. It's going to be Bush. And I was like, wow, I'm in like central Bush zone right now in his dad's airport in Texas. And it's the hanging Chad decision day. And then I'm flying to LA right away. So I fly to LA. And as soon as I land in LA, it's like Al Gore is going to win. It was just complete, you know, just craziness. And at the end of the day, we all know the deciding factor was somebody didn't punch the hanging Chad all the way through and it bulbist and it doesn't count for Gore. And, you know, this perforated hanging Chad hung just on it still. And that, goes to George Bush, you know, and, and that was really kind of like getting into the courts to try to decide who's going to be the president with the hanging chats, throw these votes out, throw, keep these votes in like, okay, who's to say, right. And that's where we came out with now with electronic touchpad stuff. So the hanging chads aren't going to be the problem because we were voting by punching right. that system. You take your voting card, put it in the machine and you punch all, or you go through each one. Mm -hmm. So today we have people now selling those voting machines on eBay and auction sites because they took it from a Michigan voting booth and tried to break into it and didn't know what to do. So they gave it away to Goodwill. Goodwill said, oh, we have this like big, huge flat screen TV thing with an insert for a card. Let's just sell it on Goodwill's websites. They sold it for $7. And it just so happened the person that bought it was a collector of voting registration equipment who was also the person in charge of the votes that just happened recently. And so not only is he like in charge of the voting for the Fed, he's also a collector. So here he bought it immediately. And then he called the FBI and said, look what I just got delivered to me. This thing from Michigan, it's a whole voting system. It's still active. So you have people out there trying to do so many different things to these things to try to, you know, screw us over as American people with our elections. Okay. Whether they're, they're bad actors, they're just trying to game the system or figure it out. Right. So I don't know. I think that you're right. Do people want their democracy or democracy? What's going on here? Because I never, ever thought people would be taking voting equipment and like trying to hack it and like crack into it to, but Hey, that's not my game. I'm not after that. So, you know, there's always bad apples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But back to the issue of conscription. Yeah. I, I can tell you that, interestingly enough, August of 1940, Henry Stimson and Frank Knox worked with FDR to actually pass a conscription bill in Congress. And that was one of the first actions that they dove into to help FDR achieve his program to prepare the country for World War II. And as a result of that, some 16 million Americans were expected to register 
400,000 were drafted and, and brought into the service within months. So the preparations for the war were moving fast. There was a lot of opposition in Congress, and Stimson and Knox helped FDR overcome that. But ultimately, conscription during World War II was much more widely accepted than it was, say, during Vietnam. That was part of the program that the two Republicans helped the Democratic president put in place to prepare the country for war. So what you just are teaching me right now, today I learned that there was the draft of World War II soldiers, right? That's what you're telling me, is that they drafted yes, soldiers right. into the war. Okay, but they were just accepting of it because they understood the need to go, per se. Some people were probably pushing back on Vietnam, not understanding why Vietnam was having to be fought and conscripted in that aspect, right? That would be kind of like the scales right. here of what I'm just learning. So I can't know everything. So I'm just trying to, you know, I figured World War II, I've seen Captain America. He's like, take me 15 different ways. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> right? You're not getting in, right. kid. Yes, I am, you know, but there was, you know, a collective draft to bring troops in to build up our numbers. Well, there was, you know, huge resentment in America over World War I. And more than 100,000 Americans had died in World War I. And there was a great deal of discontent over belief that the arms manufacturers, the banks had profited tremendously from World War I. So that resulted in, that supported the isolationist movement that said, we don't want to have anything to do with any more wars. And so there was a tremendous opposition to preparing the country for war, or building up an army. There was a very small standing army. The United States Army was ranked 19th in the nation, in the world, excuse me, in 1939. It was tiny, ranked near Portugal. So that was what Stimson believed needed to be corrected, was that the United States need to be prepared for war with Hitler's war machine. So I just want offering that because there is a different side of conscription. The question is, what are you being conscripted for? Does it make sense? Is it reasonable in the context and in the situation that we have in the world? So I think it's a very different time, say, from Vietnam. There's a reason why they called World War II the good war. So... Yeah, and, Just a, and to a conscript, point on conscription. you know, I guess my dad being uh, 17 in Vietnam, he joined the Navy versus getting drafted. You know, he kind of chose to go. So his choice, right? He's like, I'll make the path. If you're going to make me go, I'm going to choose the Navy. <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm going to go that route. So, I mean, you know, that choice was his to make and it led him into a Green Beret career. And, you know, I'm glad my father who he was, but my grandfather also fought in World War II in the Navy and he chose to fight in the Navy um, so Leonard, thank you for doing that, Grandpa. And, you know, boy, I just talked to a bomber pilot. See, I get this cool job to talk to you and other guys, right? This bomber pilot, he's still alive. He's going on 101, 25 missions over wow. France and Europe. Man. I mean, like, you know, he's like, we're just waiting for the big B. I was like, what's that? You know, he's like, Berlin. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, and that's on another episode. So if you want to go back and listen, but real quick, I just want to talk about the definition kind of of conscript, right? Maybe my listener doesn't know uh, what a conscript is and maybe you can correct me. I'm going to say that a conscript is a male-aged 
body of like 17, 16, 17, who's going to be pulled into a forced military of that country. Correct? Yes, you're obligated by law to report for military duty, to register and make yourself available for training and military service if notified by the government. Like 100%. Like, yep. And that's almost like in Vietnam, they had a lottery system where they would, like, your last name meant something, and then there was a number and your location, and, you know, they had these lottery system, and you're like, do I have the lottery? Am I going to go register today? You can go register on your own right now. You know, those of you out there that have any, you know, desire or wanting to be inspired, I know that, you know, the Army, Air Force, Navy, and Marines are looking for the few, the proud, the brave, those that want to go into the wild blue yonder, those that want to be backpacking Army, and, you know, the Navy. We need you, Navy. So I would say that, you know, thank you to those of you who have joined and that are listening to this podcast and saying, I want to do this when Rad's retired. (laughs) I'm going to take over Rad's job. But by all means, you know, it's like, honestly, I think you get my vibe here is I just want to have a really cool like, you know, chill world where we can travel around and visit each other and, you know, have a nice sense of security from one border to another. That's really what I'd like to see. Now we have to be prepared. Okay. I get it. There has to be guys that work in the shadows at night. I understand. All right. But let them do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are always those people who defending democracy, defending the freedoms that all of us enjoy requires hard work and we should be grateful to those who do it. And so that's in part what I'm thinking about when I write this book. I will say that I was unable to go into a lot of the military history. My book is more on political leadership and leadership at the top, but there's so many incredible works of history about the battles and the military strategy. I don't have a lot of that, but Those stories are incredible and worth reading about. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. Any type of history lesson, I'm all for it. That's why I I love learning and I'm always open to asking questions, falling on my face and picking myself back up after I learned the right answer. It's totally fine. You know, that's how we learn. If you don't fail, you don't succeed, okay? Those two words, they gotta go together. There's no last place if there's no first place, okay? So I don't know what else to tell you, except... (laughs) to go buy your book. So it's Uniting America, how FDR and Henry Stimson brought Democrats and Republicans together to win World War II by this guy right here. Peter Schinkel wrote that, all right? And he put a lot of his time and heart into it. And I want to thank, is it Sophia who hooked this all up and said, hey, Rad, let's get Peter on your show. And Sophia, thank you. If you listen to this, okay, I want to say thank you for all the back and forth with myself and Peter. So thank you. I'm glad to be here. One point, you were interested in bipartisanship, and I can tell you that it is interesting to know that you know, bipartisanship doesn't always produce the greatest outcome. There can be bipartisanship that produces a bad outcome. So, for example, Republicans and Democrats agreed for many years on segregation of black and white people in the United States. So the point to be made is that bipartisanship is only as good as the goals that it seeks to carry out. And another example from the World War II era is that Democrats and Republicans supported putting Japanese Americans into internment concentration camps, more than 100,000 of them. So 
I investigate and talk about how FDR and Henry Stimson made their way to that decision and the unwinding of the decision and the stain that it left on both their bipartisan alliance and on American democracy. But the broader point is that bipartisanship is only as good as the goal that it is seeking. If that goal is greater democracy and greater freedom for our citizens and for people around the world, then that goal is good. But when it envisions negative goals and pursues negative goals, it can have a very bad outcome. So bipartisanship is not always perfect. It's bipartisanship in support of what cause. That's what we need to ask. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening that goalpost. That's the goal. Like, what's the goal to get that bipartisanship done? Okay. Completely agree with you. And when I say, I guess, bipartisan and reaching across the aisle, I mean, for the right reasons in the right ways for the right goals. I 100% mean that, you know? And so one thing that, you know, as we wind down our show here is I think of George Takai, okay, live long and prosper from Star Trek, right? Japanese, as a young man was put into an internment camp, Right. His family during World War II, they segregated him. Today, you can see him on Instagram. He's constantly chatting up everybody. And, and I just want to give a shout out to George Takai right there, World War II and living in Utah. I had no idea the significance of all of the different internment camps that were put here. I had no idea until just like a year ago. And I knew about Topaz Mountain, right? I knew about that. But I didn't know about the place up in Ogden. I didn't know about the Clearfield Freeport Center. That was a whole military industrial complex that's now running like lifetime basketballs out of it. And they were used to house all of World War II immigrants coming in from the war. And I was just like, I'm blown away by, you know, how everything surrounding us here in Utah is really ran by the military industrial machine. I'm just saying, Hill Air Force Base builds its cities around it for the World War II dropping of the atomic bomb Hiroshima because they did the Doolittle Raid out of Utah. The whole Doolittle Raid was sent out of Windover. And Windover is right here on the border in Utah of Nevada. And then Hill Air Force Base was built so that it could get to Windover. It was just like this whole mechanism of World War II. Utah is really 
just a military industrial complex foundation that now the city rises from, from World War II. It's crazy. Right. Well, the past so, is always with us. <laughs> and we should learn from it and, uh, you know, and, and, and study it. So thank you for the history lesson today. And I want others to buy your book and check it out where fine books are sold. I know it's going to be dropping in October. So we're super excited. Thanks for getting me a copy of it and letting me learn about what you've written. And it's been a super pleasure to have you on the podcast on Soft Rep Radio. And if you have any final words, I'll let you have something to say. Well, Rad, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate your questions and the conversation today. And, you know, the only words that I can offer is that I hope that our country can continue to find its way to have thoughtful debates and find a way to support democracy and constitutional democracy in our country and around the world. And I think if we can do that, we're on the right path. I love it. That's a great message. We're going to say thank you for being on the show. I'm going to say live long and prosper. And thanks for listening to Soft Rep Radio. It's been a pleasure, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.